very good. Govindamadipurusham tamaham bhajami Chintamani prakarasadma shukalpavrikha Lakshabhriteshu Siraviravipalayantam Lakshmi shahasrashata samyamashipamanam Govindam adipurusham tamaham bhajami Purusham Tamaham Bhajami Govindam Madhi Purusham Tamaham Bhajami Kanmantram Aravinda Balayataksham Brahavatam Samasitam Buddha Sundarangam Kandat Pakoti Kamaniya Bisheso Sobham Govindam Adipurusham Tamaham Bhajami Alola Chandra Kalasad Vanamala Vangshi Ratnangadam Pranayakedi Kalabhilasam Shemam Trivangalalitam Niyata Prakasam Govindam Adipurasham Tamaham Bhajami Govindam Adipurasham Tamaham Bhajami Govindam Adipurasham Tamaham Bhajami Angani Jasa Pashanti Panti Kalayanti Chiranjaganti Ananda Chinmaya Sadujjala Vigrahasya Govindam Adipurusham Tamaham Bhajami Govindam Adipurusham Tamaham Bhajami 
ಕೈತಯಚ್ಯುತಯನಾದಿಯನಂತರೂಪಂ ಆದ್ಯಂ ಪುರಾನಪುರುಷಂ ನಭಜೋವನಂಚ ವೇದೇಶು ದುರ್ಲಭಯದೂರ್ಲಭಯಾತ್ಮಭಕ್ತ ಗೋವಿಂದಂ ಆದಿಪುರುಷಂ ತಮಹಂ ಭಜಾಮಿ ಪಂಥಾಷ್ಟು ಕೋಟಿ ಶತವತ್ಸ ಸಂಪ್ರಗಮ್ಯ ವಾಯೋರಥಾಪಿ ಮನಸೋ ಮುನಿಪುಂಗಮಸ್ತಿ ಜಪ್ರಪದಸೀಂ ಅವಿಚಿಂತತೇ ಗೋವಿಂದಂ ಆದಿಪುರುಷಂ ತಮಹಂ ಭಜಾಮಿ ಗೋವಿಂದಂ ಆದಿಪುರುಷಂ ತಮಹಂ ಭಜಾಮಿ ಜನ್ಮ any person who simply tries to understand uh, about my transcendental birth or appearance and disappearance and activity janma karma the personality of god has is not nishkriya without activities so anyone who can understand the what kind of activities the lord has and what kind of birth he accepts simply by understanding these two things uh, one gets wonderful result what is that tattadeham by quitting this body tattadeham punarjanmana iti he does not take any more birth in this material world tattadeham punarjanmana iti samab as may think that punarjanmana iti means he becomes vanquished no punarjanmanaiti but mamet he does not come to this material world but he 
comes to me, mommy. Mamiti means then the Supreme Personality of Godhead has got his place abode where we can go simply by understanding the nature of his appearance and activities. So today is that auspicious day, Janmāṣṭhami, when Lord Krishna appeared five thousand years ago in India, Mathura. Those who are Indian ladies and gentlemen present, they know very well where is Mathura. It is about ninety miles uh, south of New Delhi. The Mathura is still existing and it is eternally existing. The Krishna appeared in Mathura in his maternal uncle's house in a very precarious condition. Uh, that birthplace, Lord Krishna's birthplace, is now maintained very nicely. One who goes to India, they see. Uh, so anyway, Lord Krishna appeared on this planet uh, five thousand years ago. Now, Krishna says, Janma Karma me divyam. Divyam means not ordinary. Uh, it should not be understood just like we take our birth. Krishna does not take his birth like us. That is also explained in the Bhagavad Gita when Arjuna inquired from Krishna. My dear Krishna, you are speaking that formally you spoke this yoga system of Bhagavad-gītā to the sun-god. That means it is millions and trillions years ago you spoke. How can I believe it? Because Krishna was contemporary to Arjuna. So he was thinking that uh, Krishna is my friend, is my cousin, brother. How it is possible that he spoke this Bhagavad-gītā yoga to sun god? So what was the reply? The reply was this, that you also appear many, many times, I also appear many, many times. The difference is that I can remember, you cannot remember. That is the difference between God and ordinary living creature. That uh, we are also taking birth after birth. Uh, there are 
8,400,000 species of life, and so long we are in this material world, we are cycling round this birth after birth. So Krishna's birth is not like that. Therefore Krishna says, Janma karma me divyam jujanati tapata. Tapata means in truth, not superficially, scientifically. One who knows, he can get immediately liberation. And how one can understand the same truth? That is also explained in the Bhagavad-gītā. Bhakti-yāvāma-vijānāti Again, the same thing, tattata, in truth. If anyone wants to know God or Krishna, in truth, not superficial, then he has to undertake the process of devotion and service, bhaktya. In another place, Krishna says, patram puspam phalam toyam jumi bhaktya prajachati. Any person who gives me a little fruit, little flower, little water, but with devotion, bhaktya, that is the only qualification. Krishna says, taya bhaktya upurikam asnami, because he brings it with devotion and faith and love, I eat. Krishna eats. We are offering in the temple prasadam. So he eats because he says, I eat. How you can say that he does not eat? Some gentleman asked me that, Samiji, you offer prasadam in the temple, but do you think Krishna or God eats? I answer, yes, why not? He says, I eat. How you can say he does not eat? But he do not know how he eats. Due to poor fund of knowledge, you think that God does not eat. But eat his eating process is different. That is answered in the Brahma Sangita. Brahma Sangita, it is said, Angani Yasa Sapalindriya Vittimanti. God's senses, Krishna's senses, are as powerful as other senses. Just like I can see with my eyes, but Krishna can eat also with his eyes. 
That is Angani just a subtle Indriya Vitti Manti. Just like there is many examples, Krishna or Vishnu, the first creation is that Garbhusai Vishnu lying on the ocean and Brahma was created from his navel. There was a lotus stain grown from the abdomen of the Lord and Brahma was born. Now Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune, was just sitting. But as we understand that if we beget child, we require the cooperation of wife. But here we see that wife was sitting, but he begot Brahma from the Nagar. This is called Sarva-Shakti-Mā. He does not require anyone's help. Uh, he can beget child, uh, not exactly as we beget child. Therefore, Janma-Kanma-Medhidyam. He is within your heart. He is everywhere. He can appear from everywhere. Uh, just like sun rises from the eastern side, it does not mean that uh, eastern side is the mother of sun. We simply see that sun is rising from the eastern side. In this way, if we try to understand uh, in truth, uh, then we can understand what is God. Uh, superficially, if we try to understand by our experimental knowledge, then it is not possible to understand God. Panthasu koti satavasa sampradamya bayo rathapi manaso munipangavanam Shapastija Prabhada Simna Avijinta Tati Govindamadi Purisam Tamahangyam. The Brahma Sangita says that if one stops on the chariot of air and makes progress on the speed of mind, still one cannot understand what is God. Bede Sudhun Lava, Adur Lava Apavakto. He cannot be understood simply by studying Vedas. Taidunna Vishaya Veda Nistaidunna Bhabhaja. One has to transcend the position of Vedas also, then one can understand what is God or what is Krishna. So that process is. Explain in the Bhagavad Gita that bhaktya mama vijanati javan jaschami tattvata. So, this bhakti, devotional service of Krishna uh, is so nice. And under that bhakti category, this janmashtami, of course, 
this Janmashtami ceremony is observed by all Hindus, irrespective of becoming Vaishnava or not. This ceremony is observed in India, every home, just like in your Western countries, the Christmas is observed in every home. Similarly, Janmashtami is observed in every home. Today is a great ceremonial day. So our program is at 12 o'clock night, the Lord will take birth and we shall receive Him. And just now it is 10 o'clock. For two hours our program will continue in Kirtan. Kirtan means sometimes chanting with music and sometimes speaking. Both of them are Kirtan. Kirtan is Kirtan. Whenever we glorify the Lord, that is called Kirtan. Uh, the Simad Bhagavata reading is also Kirtan. Avabad Vaiyasaki Kirtan. Vaiyasaki Sukadev Goswami, he achieved the highest perfection, liberation, simply by reciting Simad Bhagavata. Sri Vishnu Smara. Sri Vishnu Sapanev Parikhit. Parikhit Maharaj, he simply heard there are nine processes of devotional service. Savanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam Padasevanam. Chanting, hearing, first hearing, then chant. Without hearing, nobody can chant. Savanam Kirtanam and what sort of Savanam Kirtanam? Vishnu, of Vishnu, not anything else. Savanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam Padasevanam Archanam Bandhanam Dasyam Sakham Atmani Vedanam. These are nine processes of devotional service of which Savanam, hearing, it's most important. Without hearing, nobody can understand the science of God. Therefore, the Vedic mantras are called Suti. Suti means it is to be heard. It is not to be experimented in the laboratory. It is simply to be heard. Therefore, it is called Suti. The Savanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam Padasivanam Archadam Bandhanam Dasam Bandhanam Offering prayer. We also offer prayer. The other religious sect, just like the Christians, they offer prayer. The Mahavirans, they offer prayer. So prayer, offering prayer is also one of the items of bhakti, chanting, hearing, 
meditating, offering prayers, uh, archanam, worshipping the deity in the temple, all of them are uh, together devotional service. So out of the nine, if you can execute all the nine, it is very good, but it is not possible. So even if you can execute one item, you become perfect. It is so nice. Sri Vishnu Sapane Parikhi, just like Maharaj Parikhi, he simply executed the function of hearing. He got perfection. Similarly, Goswami, he simply glorified the Lord. Prahladas Marane, Prahlad Maharaj, he was simply meditating. Ah. There are many examples simply by following one principle of this devotional service. They got the highest perfection alive, uh, liberation, uh, back to home, back to Godhead. So we shall invite today to speak about Krishna from our students as well as from the members who are present here. So I, I shall request Janardhan to speak something about his realization of Krishna. Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swami Nityanamane <coughs> Krishna we know is the ultimate supreme personality of Godhead the name Krishna has a meaning the meaning of the name Krishna is the supreme attractive whatever there is that holds any attraction. That uh, attraction is given by Krishna. Krishna explains this himself in the Bhagavad Gita. So, in our life, in this material world, we have so many different attractions that we are pursuing in order to build what we think will be our happiness. All this attraction is the attraction of Krishna's inferior energy. Krishna's maya holds a great attraction for all the conditioned souls. And by following this attraction of Krishna's maya, we are continuing 
in the circle of births and deaths. We are born into this world because we desire to enjoy something. So Krishna provides us with a body that is suitable for that enjoyment. And he provides us also the objects of the enjoyment that we desire. However, also to remind us of our highest possible potential, that of the spiritual unconditioned existence, we have, along with these material enjoyments, various kinds of suffering. These material enjoyments, although they are temporarily real, come to an end, and then there is feeling of bereavement and regret. So, we are now enjoying the maya of Krishna's external potency in our ordinary life, unless we realize the personality of Krishna himself. We must have personal realization, personal contact with Lord Krishna. So long as we are enjoying these objects of our senses and thinking that these objects belong to us. And so long as we don't know to whom all these objects belong, to whom belongs the land, the money, the food that we eat, the clothes that we wear, our families, so long as we do not know to whom all these belong, then we are enjoying in a state of ignorance. Factually, we are being thieves. We cannot be happy in such a condition. Krishna is very kind. He provides us with all these objects of enjoyment as we like them. But we could achieve a far happier state, not only for ourselves, but for the whole humankind, if we realized that Krishna, who is the supreme source of all the attractive objects that we are enjoying, is a person who is ready to receive us as his loving servants the moment we want to surrender all our false ideas of ownership and come back to the spiritual platform. So Lord Krishna, for this reason, has appeared. He wants to call the conditioned souls back to Godhead. He wants us to realize that he is the source of the whole universe. He is the owner of the universe. He is the supreme enjoyer, the supreme knower of everything. And that we are always welcome to associate with him by the grace of his devotees, by the grace of the spiritual master. And so he has appeared and we are now celebrating the Janmashtami day the day when Lord Krishna came to this conditioned plane out of his own 
transcendental power with its full spiritual potency in order to reveal the supreme nature of Satchit Ananda Vigraha, eternal knowledge, consciousness, and bliss to all the conditioned souls so that they might be attracted to him and so that they might come out of the miseries of material existence and of ignorance. At this particular time in the world, it is very much necessary that all people hear about Krishna and that they should become attracted to chanting the name of Krishna, to hearing about Krishna's wonderful pastimes, so that by this exquisite attraction for Krishna, they might forget their lower desires, which are now leading everybody to a hellish condition of life, in which it seems inevitable there are going to be wars and pestilences and uh, starvation, diseases, all kinds of social injustice. All these things are unavoidable so long as the world at large does not understand who owns everything, who owns the land, who owns the money, who owns the food. So long as they do not understand that Krishna is the owner, enjoyer, and enjoyer of everything so long as they don't understand that it is the highest enjoyment for the living soul to serve Krishna. It is a perfect harmony of this condition to serve Krishna. So long they will be fighting due to ignorant and deluded cross-purposes. This in International Society for Krishna Consciousness movement is meant for spreading the Krishna Consciousness to the whole world so that people might realize their spiritual existence and so that the whole atmosphere of the world could become spiritualized by chanting the names of Krishna. So we welcome everybody who comes to this temple to inquire about how to make your life perfect by tuning in to the desires of the Supreme Lord Krishna. You'll find that this is such a pleasant proposition that all insignificant lower desires will be forgotten. There will not be any need for unnecessary fighting among the people of the world if they can only understand the spiritual plane of Krishna consciousness. The way to realize Krishna Consciousness is very simple. Simply chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Chant this Mahamantra under the guidance of the spiritual master and the results will be very quick. Thank you very much. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gana Jan Slakaya 
Chaksun Militandina Tasmai Sri Gurve So this mantra is another form of obeisance to the spiritual master. And the meaning is that I, who is standing uh, in darkness with my eyes sealed, I now offer my obeisances unto my spiritual master who has forced me to open my eyes He's forced me to open my eyes with this uh, torchlight of knowledge which he's bearing. Uh, so, therefore, my spiritual master is uh, my master. He can give me the actual knowledge of my position, my position as an existing entity. And that perfection <coughs> of understanding my position is understanding Krishna or the supremely perfect entity. Krishna is perfect existence, the perfect being. And as such, his existence is the greatest certainty of all. In one uh, syllogism or one comparison that I could give, I could say that uh, how can a shadow of my hand exist unless my hand exists? Uh, the point is how can these uh, individual entities exist except as the shadow of uh, the perfect entity God? Of course, we can understand from the Bhagavad Gita or Vedic literatures that living entities are uh, atomic particles of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and as such, they reflect the uh, potencies of that Supreme Person. So because Krishna has personality, and because Krishna has individuality, we have individuality. Krishna's existence, because he's perfect, is the most certain. Imperfect existence has no meaning. Our existence has no meaning except as reference, uh, in reference to Krishna's existence. We haven't even got the power to conserve our own existence. Or in other words, we can't uh, understand how we're existing. Uh, we can understand in some uh, deluded manner that we're feeding uh, our bodies uh, and so on. We can uh, have some sort of knowledge of ritual but we don't actually know what we are and what the ritual is, why we're performing it. Uh, so getting beneath the uh, actual ritual of daily life by this process of revealed or transcendental ritual taught by the spiritual master, then we can realize the real importance or the real uh, striking features of our own existence. Again, I want to come back to this point. Krishna's existence is the most certain. Sometimes people uh, have the idea that they can debate whether Krishna exists or not. They can do that as long as they want to uh, close their own eyes or keep their own brains, their own minds clouded by so many uh, extraneous factors. 
Actually, Krishna's existence is the most certain. Uh, we can go through many uh, so-called proofs or logical proofs uh, simply because that fact is already established. Uh, I might give one or two. Uh, we can understand in our uh, mundane logic that if something exists, that there's some reason for its existence. And similarly, if something does not exist, that there's some reason for that. Just as uh, we can say, well, something exists. For example, the harmonium exists because somebody has made that harmonium. Uh, or a circle exists on the wall because somebody's drawn that circle on the wall. But on the other hand, a square circle does not exist because that existence would involve a contradiction, or that would be absurd. So, for anything which exists, there must be a reason. And for anything which does not exist, then there is a reason why it does not exist. Now, Krishna's existence, therefore, uh, is most certain because any reason which could deny Krishna's existence uh, is impossible to be found. Krishna means he is the all-inclusive entity. Therefore, any reason which could prevent Krishna's existence would have to be uh, either external to his own divine nature or in his own nature. Now, nothing can be outside of Krishna's uh, all-inclusiveness. Therefore, no external agent can prevent Krishna's existence. And it is again self-contradictory to attribute uh, any imperfection to the perfect being. Therefore, the conclusion is that Krishna necessarily exists because no one can prevent his existence. Uh, by definition, God is the uh, perfect entity. So, just as we've seen, that existence of Krishna cannot be checked uh, and actually nobody can prove that Krishna does not exist, neither can they uh, prevent him from existing. This is sort of an indirect way to uh, prod you to think about the position that you're in now. People become very proud because they have some material uh, opulence or material knowledge and they tend to think that they are self-sufficient, but actually we're dependent upon so many things. For example, we are uh, just taking it for granted that uh, our bodies will remain uh, unmutilated by various forces in nature, when actually at any moment the bodies could be uh, totally destroyed. Uh, and even granted that our bodies will be with us for some time in operable condition, uh, this field of our activities has many laws which we're dependent upon, just as the other day we were discussing the law of gravity. This idea of laws in nature uh, necessarily implies the existence of the lawmaker. And this can be demonstrated very easily in many, many ways. We'll take the law of gravity again. If some uh, object in nature which has no consciousness behaves in a regulated manner, 
then it's obvious that it's under the control of a law, if we call it a law. For example, if an apple drops from a tree, the apple is obeying the law of gravity. The apple does not know the law of gravity. Therefore, that law is being enforced by some superior entity. In our dealings in society, people know laws, still they don't obey them. They have to be forced to obey the laws, and still people disobey the law. But the laws of nature are so perfectly enforced that nobody can disobey. Just a little thought will make this uh, a little bit uh, more clear to anyone. So there are twofold implications, namely law proceeds from lawmaker, law enforcement proceeds from law enforcer. Uh, man has tried so hard to establish law and order. Law and order is already there in this existence which he's now facing. I think that we don't need to consider any more on these points just now. Uh, the main point or the main uh, information which we're considering now is that by understanding uh, Krishna's existence, understanding Krishna's appearance before the perception of ourselves, that we can terminate this uh, material existence which we now face. This life we're now uh, conscious of through these bodies which were born. Uh, now these bodies were very small and they developed to uh, impressive size. The bodies will dwindle and the bodies will be gone, ultimately lost. But all these living entities here in the room will go on existing. This process of birth and death uh, we should understand and we should especially understand how Krishna appears before us who are trapped by birth and death. If we understand that Krishna's appearance is not like ours uh, because he's perfect and because uh, simply he's appearing for our benefit, uh, then we may be able to uh, reach out and grab hold of the lifeline that can of our own uh, suicidal bogs. So anyway, uh, everybody has been coming here knows that we're recommending uh, simply associate with us, chant with us, and uh, listen to the uh, teachings of our spiritual master. Uh, put questions to us, uh, any questions. Uh, and at this point, I'd also like to invite questions. If there are any questions, uh, let him. Mukunda. Uh, Mukunda, okay. probably. for my respectful obeisances to our spiritual master, Swami Bhaktivedanta, who is dear to Lord Krishna, having taken shelter until his lotus feet. <clears throat> the uh, Krishna Consciousness Movement is intended to 
make a solution to our everyday problems. It's not a kind of place where people just come because there's some religious uh, rites being performed. But everyone in this age is thinking that I am free. And actually, I am not free. I am very bound up, very strictly bound up by the stringent laws of nature. <clears throat> In every status of life, I have to serve somebody or something or my own body. In every status of life, I have to serve my wife or I have to serve my children. I have to serve my pet. I have to serve my work, my boss, my associates. If I'm very uh, wealthy, very elevated, or very uh, beautiful physically, uh, if I'm born in an aristocratic family, I always have to serve somebody. If nothing else, one has to serve one's own stomach. I have to eat. I have to get food. I have to serve my stomach. So I'm not free at all. I have to do these things. There's no way I can, I can stop. If I don't eat, I'll die. <clears throat> so our natural position as a living entity is that we have to serve something. Every living entity has to serve. That's our natural position. If something is wrong with my hand and I want, I want to be cured, <clears throat> I don't grab onto some foodstuffs or some medicine, some herbs, and uh, squeeze it with the hand and think that this hand is going to be cured. I take the medicine or the food through my mouth and then it circulates through the digestive system and through the veins and finally comes to the hand and can work its cure. So the hand, unless it's serving its source, then it's useless. The, uh, the servant must serve its master, or the part must serve the whole. And our relationship with God is the same. Just like the hand is made out of bile, blood and air, flesh and bone, uh, as all the body is, so similarly we're made out of spirit qualitatively the same as Krishna, but quantitatively many millions of times less. Qualitatively the same, quantitatively different, a fragmental portion. So if we, fragmental portions, separated parts and parcels, can serve the source or the whole, then we can be cured of this material disease, which is rampant nowadays. And this is possible only by mercy. By mercy alone, we can transcend this material existence and know that I am part and parcel of the Supreme, Krishna, or God, and I can erase all of my karma and situate myself in pure consciousness. 
But this consciousness cannot be purified unless there is mercy. And in this age, Kali Yuga, as we know, mercy is diminished to being almost non-existent. And Kali Yuga is just beginning. So, if we can get some information about what I am, what is my position, and what is God, and how am I related to God, what is this world, then we're very fortunate. So by the mercy of the spiritual master, we can free ourselves from these stringent laws of nature and these uh, unbreakable bonds. And only in this way, we can't free ourselves superficially or by our own uh, mental invention. We can't sit, just go out and sit and think and free ourselves from this material existence. We must be subject to our own body, bodily discomforts, and our own mind. And we must be subject to the actions upon us of other living entities. And we must be subject to the uh, laws of nature, to, to uh, providence, to uh, pestilence, famine, catastrophe. But if we can accept and hear submissively this teaching of Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita from the bona fide spiritual master, then we are freed immediately. We are in Vaikuntha. So we're very shocked and astonished that so many people are coming to the West, to the United States, and posing as uh, holy men and simply making business, charging money, and giving somebody some magical formula whereby they can become God in half of a year. And so many people who are sincere seekers are being deluded, and this is very unfortunate. There's said to be two classes of men. One class of men is satisfied with his existence. He goes from one pleasure to another, from the cinema to the restaurant, uh, to sports, from one to the other. I can't wait to finish one, to go to the next. And still he's saying that I'm happy, I'm satisfied. And there's another class of men that is not satisfied. These men are searching that there is always something on his mind. He's thinking, there must be something behind all of this, that I can look at all of this as a, as a unified whole. So this, this first class of men will not want to take to spiritual knowledge. But the person who is inquisitive and is not satisfied with this material life he can hear this knowledge submissively and derive great benefit from it. The symptom of a human being is that he is not satisfied. He's disgusted. He's searching. The symptom of animal life is that he is satisfied, taking everything. That's very nice. Everything is fine. Like a hog, hog-eating stool. He's thinking, oh, it's very nice. But the human being will not accept such awful things. A human being has the chance to get out of this shackle of 
continued, repeated births and deaths. So simply by hearing the message of Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita and the names of Krishna diligently, submissively, and from the bona fide source, we can immediately get some relief from this material existence. Just like when we were chanting here, you could feel some ecstasy. Well, this ecstasy grows unlimitedly and infinitely, eternally, if one takes to it. It's not as if you reach some point of enlightenment and then you're enlightened. No. But it's always eternal, ever-increasing. Just like the relationship between ourselves and our spiritual master is eternal and ever-increasing, our relationship with God is the same. So, please try to realize that this is a very serious movement and we're not, we're not asking you to sign up or pay us anything, but simply to sincerely try it and you'll immediately feel some benefit. I'm offering my repeated humble obeisances unto my spiritual preceptor, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Shami. Please try to understand that everything that we are learning here in Krishna consciousness is received through the ears. And unless one does not listen submissively, one cannot hear a transcendental message. This is the opening of the Srimad Bhagavatam. It states that at the reading of the Srimad Bhagavad, the forest of Meshwaranya, many sages were present, and it was so quiet that at the dropping of a pin could be heard on the sand. So the science of Krishna consciousness must be received submissively. Our spiritual preceptor has brought Krishna consciousness to the Western world in the hopes that the people here will sincerely take to this process of practicing bhakti yoga, of the yoga of devotional service and love under the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Sri Krishna. This is not a sect. This is for peoples of the world who understand one premise, that I am not this body, I am pure spirit soul, that this body is simply a dress, just like you wear clothes. But what is it that keeps you alive, that is eternal? This is spirit soul. This is so simple that even a child at the age of five years can understand this. If it's from a bona fide source, he can understand this. We are requesting to you that you please come to the classes of the Bhagwat. Come to Kirtan. By chanting Hare Krishna, 
Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. You at once are elevated into the spiritual platform, and our contaminated material senses may become purified simply because of this association of the names of God. These names are absolute. They are not material. If you chant water, 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 your thirst will not be quenched. But if you cry, Krishna, 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 you may find your position in this world, where you came from, why are you here, what are you doing, where are you going? These questions man must answer, or he is not making use of his ability as man. He is simply living an animal life, eating, sleeping, mating, defending. It does not matter if you are a man, you are a woman, you are a child, you are Indian, you are American. You simply must ask these questions. And when one comes upon a bona fide source, one must take advantage of that source and not pass it up. Krishna consciousness or the classes of the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Srimad Bhagavad Gita are open to all and we invite you to please come. Chant Hare Krishna. Feel the sublime ecstasy. Thank you very much. Are there any questions? There are so so many religions. There's Hindu, there's Christian, there's uh, Jewish, Mohammedan, so many things. So and people are professing, oh, I'm Christian, oh, I'm Hindu, oh, I'm Jewish, so many things. But oh, this religion is not so cheap. This religion is not oh, simply something I can I take up, I take it, oh, now I think I should be a Christian, that's very nice. Or maybe I'll become Hindu. No. You see these boys and girls, they're not Hindus. They're not Christians. They're not Jews. What are they? Oh, you see the spiritual master? He's not Hindu. You may be thinking, oh, he's from India, and he's American, or these Canadians. Boys and girls, they've uh, taken some fad. They, they like these Indian things. No, it's not like that at all. This is not religion. According to Sanskrit definition, religion uh, means uh, that quality of the living entity uh, which after everything is removed, oh, you can lose all your money, or you can lose your family, or you can lose your nationality, 
But when everything is removed, that religion remains. So what is that? What is that quality that's common to every living entity? What is that? Just like fire. What is